nice. So I've had, in my life, three spiritual fathers in my life. And um, you know, a spiritual father is very powerful because it's one thing to have a father. It's another thing to have the father behind the father, right? So uh, my earthly father was a father and a spiritual father. And a wonderful, wonderful dad, amazing, amazing man. And then God had to move me along in my walk with the Lord. So I had to pull away from that father a little bit and all that he had taught me, <coughs> excuse me, and have some things added to that. And so along came father number two, which was actually the pastor uh, of the church that I began to attend when I got into med school. And uh, lo and behold, uh, I didn't stay in med school. I ended up actually as uh, the assistant pastor of that new church plant, and, and that spiritual father then opened the world to me and because uh, uh, he was a missionary at heart, and I ended up in every tribe, tongue, and nation place on the planet, saw what was possible, saw what God wanted to do in the nations, and he mentored me in other dimensions as well. And then the time came where I began to move out into the world and uh, ended up in California. And then my third spiritual father, which is going to speak to us tonight, Eddie Peoric, uh, came along and... Uh, he added, he, he, was there, he was there to sort of be the midwife. I know that I'm mixing metaphors a little bit anyway. Uh, so uh, to sort of see me birthed into the vineyard, but also into a whole other arena of, of, of understanding God, uh, which is deeply personal and extends from the personal all the way out to the farthest reaches of your life. And it has to do with your relationship with your Father God and a real relationship, especially the love part of that. And uh, Eddie's been imparting that to uh, this entire area for years and years. And it's been a deep, deep part of my own personal walk. And our church was really born out of the original Mission Viejo Vineyard Church. We were sent from there. Uh, and then later the two came together uh, at a later date. And uh, But anyway, Eddie's been a mentor to many of you here. And I just couldn't think of a better thing to, to do with Father's Day than have Eddie Piorek speak on Father's Day. So Eddie, come on up, and we're going to bless you. And <laughs> We just uh, thank you, Eddie, for everything you've been to all of us mm -hmm. and for this amazing message God gave you about Father and fatherhood, especially our Father in heaven and how he loves us so well and how that, what that means for our life. We just bless him today. I pray, God, you'll bless him. Whatever he puts his hand to, may it prosper. Whatever he does, Lord, may it go well. Whatever is in his heart that's undone, may it be done. We bless his family, his family line, down down to the children and the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren in every way, Lord. I'll cover and watch over he and his wife. Lord, we thank you these years ahead would even be better than all the years behind. I pray, God, it would grow and grow and grow in faithfulness and grow and grow and grow in anointing, and grow and grow in this message you gave in his heart. May I just continue to expand. I think that would give him great pleasure to see this message you gave him to expand into the earth. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. Well, good morning on this wonderful Father's Day. Uh, greetings uh, to all the fathers here, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, 
and fathers-to-be. Several weeks ago, I attended what I would call a forerunner to Father's Day. It was a birthday party for my great-grandson. I got to wear all my father hats, father, grandfather, and great-grandfather. And uh, continuing on with some of the photos that we've been having, I, we took a few photos of this uh, party a couple weeks ago. And then the first thing uh, that I can show you is my father, Roll, and this is my son, Brandon, and his grandson, Rafa. And so this qualified me to be not only a father, but a great-grandfather. So that's our little Rafa, and we were there to celebrate uh, his first birthday and the birthday of his uh, little brother. Uh, Also there was uh, my granddaughter, Jordan, who was the the mother of Rafa. And so I was there in my uh, grandfather uh, mode. And then like I said, as a great-grandfather to Rafa and Leo. And I have a picture of what it looks like to be a grandfather in action. So we have a little video, and I'm on the right with a tiara on. Let's show that one more time. There I am, full great-grandfather mode. And that's little Leo. (laughs) That's what it looks like to be a great-grandfather. Now, it was really hilarious because little Leo had loved playing with that balloon. But what what he really loved was when grandfather went for the outside balloon, lost his balance, went over the couch. And then I I fell into the mantle at one point. And he just thought that was hilarious. So I was fulfilling uh, my joyous uh, job as great-grandfather. Now, such joyous scenes turns my thoughts, always when I'm in the midst of my family, to the originator of all fatherhood, our father. And we're familiar with that phrase because it's the first line of the Lord's Prayer. Help me with it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And on this Father's Day, I would like to take uh, the time to honor our Father, the originator of all fatherhood. And there are three things, as normal, that come to mind when I think about our Father. The first is the glorious Father, and out of that flows the good, good Father. And once we see who he really is, then we really appreciate the gift of fatherhood that he has given us. So the first thing we want to look at is the glorious Father. And this phrase comes from Ephesians 1, verse 17, uh, where Paul, in his prayer to the Ephesians, says this, I keep asking 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. The glorious Father. When I think of the glorious Father, I think of it this way. The Father's glory is the manifestation of his light, life, and love to mankind. Now, when we think of the glorious Father, we can think of him as a magnificent Father in heaven. Far off, he is certainly magnificent. But the word manifestation that I've used has a different connotation. The glory of God is not all, all just him in heaven, but the glory of God is his manifestation of his glory to the senses of mankind. God can manifest his glory that in a way that we can see, feel, and be touched by that glorious presence. And we see this in the Bible. The first example of the glorious Father manifesting himself is to Moses on Mount Sinai. Through the burning bush, his glory shines. And it's personal because out of that burning bush, God the Father speaks to Moses, calls him by name. And then we see that glory come again to fill the tabernacle. And then it comes again to fill the temple, the time of Solomon. And the glory, his light and his love, fills the temple. And the priests can't even stand because of their experience of it. See, the glory of the Father is meant to be experienced by mankind, you and I. One of the most beautiful examples of this is our Lord Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. We see there that Jesus goes up onto the mountain to pray, and there, there is a manifestation of the glorious Father. As he's praying, a cloud, it's the Shekinah cloud of God surrounds him, and the one thing that comes out of that is central is God the Father in his glory speaks to the Son and to the disciples surrounding him and saying, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I say this because we as believers are meant to experience the glorious Father. And there are three ways that we experience this, his, the way his glory is manifest to us. And the first thing I'd like to look at is his glory in creation. God manifests his glory to mankind in his creation. And we read this in Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. You see, God's great glory in the heavens is manifest to us. And we can go see it and be moved by the glory of God in creation. Now, I have a wonderful illustration of that. If we could show now the picture of the wonderful universe of God, now, 
This is an actual photograph from the Hubble telescope that was uh, broadcast on the 25th anniversary of that telescope. And this is an actual picture of the glory of the universe. That's what it looks like. The universe. And when we look at it, God is communicating his, his glory to us. You know, and it, when I think of this beautiful image, I think of the, the old hymn, so familiar to many of us, where it's st the first line, this is my father's world. We live in this beautiful father's world. You know, because in recent days, I've just been so in touch with creation and the beauty of it all. And to keep realizing this is my father's world. And it's big. And it is beautiful. You know, I did a little research on it. You know, it's how... What is the diameter of the universe? It's 93 billion light years. And that's, the, the distance is how many miles light travels in one year. It travels 6 billion miles, excuse me, 6 million miles in one year. So when you start multiplying 6 billion times, you know, 53 billion, it's big. And it's, it's beautiful. This is glory. And we're going to, I start with the bigness of it because eventually this glory is meant to dwell in my heart, which is an amazing paradox for you and me. The second primary way we can see, get in touch with his glory, is his glory in Christ the Son. His glory in Jesus Christ the Son. John 1.14, the word, Jesus Christ, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is simply the most magnificent expression of the Father's glory. God incarnate, the Son, bringing the fullness of light and life and love to the planet Earth, and the disciples saw him and felt him and touched him. And when we come into relationship with Jesus, we come into this visceral contact with the glory of God. Jesus made it so clear. He declared, I am the light of the world. He declared, I have come to give life and that abundantly. And then we're told in John 3.16, For God the Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that who believes in him shall never perish but have eternal life. Ah, we love the Word of God. We love reading it because we get to see this Jesus. And God the Father is communicating His wonderful glory in, in a way that we can see and understand this beautiful person of Jesus. 
in the final way that we can see the glorious Father might surprise you. But it's true. His glory in the children of God. His glory that shines in the children of God. All mankind bears the image of God. But believers behold his glory. Within every man and woman on the face of the earth, deep inside, there's a resident glory of God. That man, that woman is created in the image of God. Now we know that sin can overwhelm it, but it's still there. But when someone becomes a Christian and believes in Jesus and comes to know the Father, they behold it. And when I use the word behold, it means they get a hold of it. They get hold of the glory of God. The glory of God is manifest in them. And as a result, it makes them glorious. And I love this very famous phrase from Irenaeus, one of the church fathers in the second century, where he made this statement, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. When I think of that, first of all, my thoughts go back to 1985. When I experienced our glorious Father in a way that made me feel fully alive. During the prayer time in a leader's retreat, the Holy Spirit touched me powerfully my mind was flooded with divine light, and I heard a voice say, Eddie, you are my son, and I love you. You can never fail in my sight. I was overwhelmed with the Father's glorious love. Several years later, a young missionary in his 30s, and he was younger than me because I was only in my 40s, was checking out our church. We had lunch together to answer any questions he had. He wanted to know why I talked so much about the Father's love. I invited him to a small group meeting at my home for people who were new to the things of the Spirit. Now, having been a spiritual minister for years, I think he questioned its relevance. But nevertheless, he came. At the end of the meeting, I had everyone stand, and I went around the room laying hands on each person to bless them with the Holy Spirit. When I came to the young man and touched him, the outcome was extraordinary. He began to shake, wobble, and flew through the air, burying his head in my couch. We continued praying for him and blessing him with the Father's love. The outpouring of our Father's glorious love flooded his heart for days to come. That man became one of the most fully alive men I have ever known. And he still is. I am amazed at how full of the Spirit he is and gloriously alive. His name is Mike. And he is our pastor. 
here at the Vineyard. Now, the glorious Father is all about manifesting this manifest presence. But he has one goal to reveal in us. One. And it's this. Our Father. He wants to reveal to you and I that he is the good, good Father. That's his whole agenda. That's his whole agenda, that you would come to know his goodness. Now, isn't that a nice agenda? We must be reminded of it again and again, how wonderful that agenda is. Well, when we take a look at the Bible, we see that it alludes to that. The good, good Father. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus makes this statement about his Father. And he's speaking to men, to fathers, and he says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? You know, assuming that you're too good to do that, you would certainly give bread. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. <clears throat> if you then, though you're evil, which means that though your fatherhood is flawed, not perfect, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In other words, to the degree that there's goodness in a father, the father is infinitesimally gooder than that. <laughs> infinitesimally gooder. And I, sometimes I think this way. I would give my kids anything. One of my daydreams when I walk, he says, if I had a billion dollars, what's the first thing I would do? I, the first thing I would do, and this is probably my history, is I'd go buy them all new cars. <laughs> they need them. They all need a new car. And the second thing was, then I'd, then I'd start daydreaming on the kind of house I would buy them. Isn't that the way it is? You know, there's nothing that you wouldn't give them if you could. You know, you just, you just love them so much. But then I think, Father, you're so much better than that. That it takes a while to sink in. The Father's goodness, God's goodness. I love this statement from Bill Johnson, who pastored Bethel. Like the adventurers of old, we have before us the most unexplored territory in existence. It is more rugged than Mount Everest, more intimidating than the deepest ocean, and vaster than space itself. It's called God's goodness. God's goodness. The great unexplored land. The good, good Father. He is incredibly generous to all of mankind. All of mankind. Jesus once again says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good 
and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He is good to everybody. You know, he sends to us warmth of the sun, water in the rain, wheat for bread, and wine to make the heart glad. Do I have an amen from Bruce Stratton? No. (laughs) (laughs) And also, as a surfer, he sends waves to everybody. And now, now I know this is true, that he, he, he just gives to the, the good and the evil. He just gives to everybody who goes surfing. And there's been you know, just a huge uh, upturn in the amount of surfers during COVID. It went from two and a half million surfers in California to five million. Now, the problem is, is that they all go down to my beach. And I don't get it because I'm a local. And I should get all the ways. No, but these inlanders come down. (laughs) And God sends them good waves too. However, I have an inside track. I pray to my Father in heaven. And you know what he does? I ask you guys a reputation for this downright sir. He sends me the wave of the day. And that's my segue into the second aspect of the good, good father. He is generous to all mankind, but he's infinitely gracious to all who call out to him. He's infinite, 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 what did I write down here? Infinitely, I want to keep on saying infinitively, gracious to all who have come to know him. He's so gracious in his sending us salvation. So gracious in sending us more of the Holy Spirit to fill our lives so we can experience the gifts of the Spirit, the healing and the wisdom and all of those gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He brings love, joy, peace, all of those things into our life because we ask for it. And to all who calls out, he gives the stuff of life. He, he gives us homes, and he gives us jobs, and he, he gives us hobbies. He gives us all the stuff of life out of his infinite, gracious goodness. But one of the most beautiful things he gives us, he is, is in his goodness, he is infinitely affectionate to his sons and daughters. See, out of his great glory comes his goodness And the very epicenter of his goodness is to experience his love, his affection as a son or daughter. And I like the way it's worded in Romans chapter 8, verse 16. When the Spirit comes, says this, verse 16, For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. As he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. See, the good, good father wants to give us many things. 
But the thing he wants to give us more than anything else that satisfies our soul is his love. So he, he just showers us with goodness, but in the midst of all of that is his love. Little story. In 2009, my youngest son David was newly married, just received his teaching credential in American literature, and simultaneously, when he was looking for a job, the state of California's budget crisis shut down most teaching opportunities. There he was, credential in hand, and he started to interview, and there, for months, there were no jobs. After months of interviews without success, with some desperation, he and I prayed together over the phone. Now, we'd prayed many times, but we were in desperation. And I had given him my best counsel, my best prayers. I didn't really have anything left. Lord, have mercy was the only prayer we had. I just prayed, Lord, have mercy. My son prayed, Lord, have mercy. Father, have mercy. And we went silent. I'll never forget that moment. Almost immediately, I had a picture in my mind of a scene from The Lord of the Rings. Now, all of you here know about the movie The Lord of the Rings. Why? You may have seen it, but this is Mike's favorite movie. <laughs> and you've heard him reference it many times, this, this movie, The Lord of the Rings, where Mike reenacts Gandalf's immortal command to the threatening Balrog, Thou shall not pass! I don't know, have you ever heard Mike do that? <laughs> and it's out of that movie. It's out of that movie, and it's about that moment when Gandalf does his thing, you know, to stand against this evil demon to save Frodo and all of the the hobbits and those in the party. Well, I was, that's the movie, but the, there was a scene that I saw in it. The scene I saw was from the second movie, where the evil Sauron and all of his forces had trapped the good guys at the fortress of Helm's Deep. Now, Gandalf is going to ride for help. But he tells Aragon, who's sort of the hero of all of this, on the morning of the fifth day, look to the east for my coming. It was, a, it was an exact word that you know, Gandalf speaks to him. On the morning of the fifth day, look to the east for my coming. And in the movie, for those of you who've seen it, yes, victory comes marvelously with light and power on the fifth day. So I shared this with my son. I said, son, look to the east on the fifth day for the Lord's coming. <laughs> and then I must say that I forgot about it until five days later when I received a phone call from David. He shared that that morning on the fifth day, he remembered Gandalf's words. 
He went up to the hills east of Hollywood with his guitar and worshipped. When he got home, the phone rang. It was the principal from a prestigious high school in Manhattan Beach where he had previously interviewed. She offered him a job. Now, 12 years later, as a tenured teacher with a master's degree, he attends a Presbyterian church in Redondo Beach, right near his school where he moved, where he is on staff as the official liturgist. He writes all the liturgies and programs for this Presbyterian church. Whenever I listen to him preach, and he preaches on occasion, he always talks of the Father's love and his goodness to provide. And when I think of that, I think of the good, good Father. I would give my son anything, and in that, in that moment, the Father, out of his love, gave this incredible gift beyond anything I could imagine to my son. And the epicenter of it is the Father's love. And when I hear my son preach on the Father's love and see the emotion and anointing on it, it just thrills my heart. And that sort of takes me into the final section. When we, I get in touch with the glorious Father, how great it is, and the goodness of the Father, and how that's all coming down to me, I appreciate the gift of fatherhood, the gift of being a father, that I am in this, this flow, the glorious father in the magnificent heavens, that love coming down through Jesus Christ to us and filling us, and then bringing us into the upper center of goodness, and then realize that I'm in that chain to not only have received it, but to give it away to give it away, to give it away to the next generation. And I realize that is my primary calling, is to receive this love and give it away. To give it away to my children and to give it away out of my life to anyone I can have an opportunity to be a father to, like Mike said, even in a spiritual fathering you know, role. I think of this, what a privilege to become a father and bear that precious title. It's a connection. God has chosen to reveal himself primarily as father to a son. And we have been given that title. What a title. I'm a father representing the father of fathers. What it's... What a privilege to share it. And what a sheer joy to experience it. I think that most any man who's become a father would say, the moment that their child was born, that son or daughter, and they held that child in, it was sheer joy. Sheer joy. And never, they'll never lose that. And every time my son says, Father, it's joy. Every time they say, Dad, it's joy. Every time one of my uh, 
grandchildren call me grandpa. Sheer joy. Now with that comes, you know, a serious responsibility. We all know that. What a wonderful responsibility. And that moves me to this thought. What praise, when I think about the gift of fatherhood, what praise is evoked for our fathers who did a pretty good job of fathering us? The more I get in touch with, the more praise and gratefulness I have for my dad. You know, there are no perfect fathers. But there are many that did a pretty, I want to say something, good job. (laughs) Darn good job of raising us. Something that's such a wonderful job. And of course, there are some that we had some wrinkles with. But one of the things I've learned the more as the years go by was there were a few wrinkles with me along the way. (laughs) You know, that my dad had to deal with stuff with me. But in looking back on it, I come to this conclusion. Seriously, the older I get, the better he did. The older I get, the better he did. I have more praise for my father now than ever in my life. And you know, that's the way it's supposed to work. The father wants to bring it all together for good. And then finally, What a delightful responsibility to perpetuate our father to the next generation. What a delightful responsibility. We're to receive the love. We're to reproduce the love as we stepped into the role of our fatherhood. You know, as I was sitting there at the birthday party for my two great-grandsons, I looked at the four generations represented there, and I was grateful to be the patriarch of this beautiful family. I was so glad for the investments that I, and of course my wife Janet, had made in each one. Our father had given us the gift of his love, and we have done our best to pass it on to them. Sitting in that room with a happy birthday tiara on my head was one of the most crowning moments in my life. Amen. Let's stand. What a wonderful day. What a wonderful presence of our Father with us. I tell you, every time we gather in his name, he wants that cloud to be manifest and surround us. He wants each one of us 
to experience his glory and goodness. I'd like to pray a Father's Day blessing. It's for all of us and particularly for the fathers. So I'll take a deep breath. I'd like to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We lift up our grateful hearts to you and give you glory. For you indeed have been a good, good Father to us. Oh, Father, would you manifest your glorious presence in this place and pour out your love upon us all, your sons and daughters. We open our hearts wide to receive it. Father, I ask that your spirit of love would rest upon all the fathers, grandfathers, and great-grandfathers here today. May we all receive a double portion of your love. One portion to fill our hearts as a reward for all our efforts to be good fathers. And may the second portion be the anointing to make your love known to the next generation. Come, Holy Spirit. Come with the Father's blessing. Come now and make this Father's Day glorious. And we ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.